Well, I invite you to take your Bibles and let's turn to Romans chapter number 11 tonight. Book of Romans chapter number 11. Been talking about Israel as we dealt with chapter number 9 and chapter number 10. And we're going to continue with the thought of Israel in chapter number 11. And a lot of folks might say, well, why in the world spend so much time on Israel? Because Israel has a lot to do uh, with the things that the Lord is going to do. And we need to understand that uh, the Lord is not through with Israel as a nation. And uh, we have seen in chapter 9 Israel's past election. We saw in chapter 10 Israel's present rejection. And tonight we're going to begin in chapter 11 as we view Israel's future restoration. And tonight we're going to look at part one of a two-part message on this as we look at as we come to have a, a biblical understanding of God's plan for Israel. Because that's the theme of all of chapter number 11, God's plan. What plan does he have? Well, he's not finished with them. He's still got a plan. And although there are several lessons for us to learn from this chapter, there are two main points that the Apostle Paul makes that we want to see tonight. And, and the first of all, God has not completely rejected the nation of Israel. God's not completely rejected them. And number two, God has not permanently rejected the nation of Israel. Now, even though the church, which we know is composed mostly of non-Jews uh, or Gentiles, uh, is the main instrument God is using right now, God still will use the Jewish people just as he promised. We need to know why it's important that believers understand God's plan for Israel. There are some practical and important reasons for having a biblical understanding of Israel's present. Uh, you need to look at, we've been taking a lot of look at the past. Amen. All these Old Testament studies that we've been doing on Wednesday night, we've seen uh, Israel's past. And uh, what about Israel's present and Israel's future in God's plan? And uh, there's some important reasons for us taking a look at this, for instance, our understanding of God's plan for Israel will greatly affect certain aspects of our theology. And one area of our theology is affected is, is our view of eschatology or the end times. Now, eschatology is one of them, what I call them, $50 words. It's talking about the end times. That's all it's talking about. And how we view and understand the end times will be affected by how we view and understand God's plan for Israel. It makes a difference in what's going to happen. Uh, and so if God is finished with Israel, which he's not, as some people falsely teach, uh, then uh, the 144,000 witnesses from the tribes of Israel who go through the Great Tribulation and the book of Revelation, uh, they got to spiritualize that group and make them something, some other group. And by the way, they're not Jehovah's Witnesses either. Okay, that, That's not what they are. On the other hand, if God still has a plan to use the nation of Israel in a special way, then there's not a problem in believing that those 144,000 are literally, like the Bible says they are, from the 12 tribes, 144,000 literal Jews. That's what I believe that they are. They are Jews. And something else, our understanding of God's plan for Israel also affects our trust in God's faithfulness. But God said he was going to do some things through Israel, some things that have yet to be accomplished. And if you quit on Israel, 
that says something about his faithfulness. God's always faithful. <laughs> you know, could God be considered faithful and yet not do what he promised with the nation of Israel? I don't think so. He made some unconditional promises to Israel and uh, he, he plans on fulfilling those things. And that a biblical understanding of God's plan for the nation of Israel also affects our attitude toward the Jewish people. And listen, our attitude is very important. We need to pray for our nation to have the, continue to have a right attitude toward the nation of Israel. Anytime we start having a, a bad attitude toward the Jewish nation, things start happening in our country. And you may not believe that, but if you just take a look, anytime that we uh, tell uh, Israel to get rid of some, some of the property that they've taken away from the Palestinians and give it back to them, uh, when we force that to happen, there's some things that take place in our country, and our country is affected by that. I, I want you to know as a church, we are very much pro-Israel. I stand unapologetically for that. Uh, we are very supportive of the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. I believe we ought to pray for them. Uh, but listen, this support that we have for them is not based on political ideology. Rather, it is based on a biblical understanding of God's plan for Israel. Realize that they still are God's chosen people and God has a plan. And without a biblical understanding of God's future plan for Israel... Believers tend to be either neutral toward Israel or, in many cases, uh, anti-Semitic. And can I tell you, if you are anti-Semitic, that is not a good place to be. Uh, not according to what uh, the Lord told Abraham. You know, that he would bless those that bless uh, and he would curse those that curse. And I've made these few points so that we can all understand the importance of uh, these, what we're taking a look at tonight, this importance of this subject. Let's begin with verse number one. We're not going to read, we're going to deal with the first 15 verses, but we're going to read them as we do them, okay? And we're going to read verse number one. <clears throat> and here's the question. Has God reneged on his promises to the nation of Israel? Look at verse one. I say then, uh, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, a lot of folks think that God looked at Israel and said, well, enough's enough, I'm done with you. But that's not the case. In one respect, it appeared like that is what had happened. After all, it's a largely Gentile church who are called God's adopted sons, who are promised eternal glory, and an inheritance and who are being used by God to show the world God's character and ways but could I tell you it's not an entirely Gentile church Jews and Gentiles are, make up the church uh, he made both one in the church uh, those that are, are by faith in Christ have to be in, in both sides Gentiles have to be in Christ to be a part of the church Jews have to be in Christ to be a part of but the twain are, are one in Christ. Now, um, these things uh, were um, these things were promised to to Israel, and yet yet it's largely the Gentiles who were experiencing them. To uh, according to Paul, it certainly seemed like God had broken His promise and had rejected the Jewish nation of Israel. And some people were getting that idea. However. Israel was chosen for a certain position and equipped to fulfill 
that position. But they, because they had not responded properly, God is now using the Gentiles in their place. They, they were pulled from the starting positions, set on the sidelines for a little while, but, uh, but they were not completely rejected by God. Understand that they're going to be pulled from the sidelines and, and be in the main foray uh, here before long. God is faithful to His promises to Israel, even though the Gentiles might have the prominent position right now. And this is why Paul answers the question, hath God cast away his people with a very firm God forbid? He said, you know, if you believe that, you don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> no, God's not done. God's not cast away his people. And God has not completely rejected the nation of Israel. And how do we know this to be true? Well, Paul uses himself as a personal example. Paul was a Jew. Listen, the apostles were Jews. They were used greatly in the book of Acts, in the beginning of the church. Paul points to himself as evidence that God is still using the Jewish people, albeit in small numbers. After all, Paul says here, For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul is saying, I'm Jewish. God saved me and is using me. And therefore, you, you can't claim that God has completely rejected the Jewish people. And there are still Jewish people being saved today. There, in fact, there are a very number of, uh, uh, of um, mission organizations that send missionaries out just specifically toward dealing with the Jews. Remember when we went to uh, Tennessee Temple in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, you had the International Board of Jewish Missions and uh, Dr. James Gartenhouse. He's... he's He's the late, the late Dr. James Gartenhouse. He's, uh, but he back that then he was alive and got to meet him and his wife. And uh, but that organization has sent many missionaries out over the years to to win Jews to the Lord, and that's that's important. Is it difficult? Yes, it is. Is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. But uh, it's a very difficult work. The very fact that there are some Jewish believers indicates that God has not completely rejected his people. Now, there were not many Jews who were believers in comparison to the Gentiles, but this small number of faithful Jews among many unfaithful was nothing new and hardly indicative of God completely rejecting his people. Paul uses the Old Testament history of Israel to point this out. Look at verses 2 through 4. Look at verse 2. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Watch ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, talking about Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Now, uh, God knew ahead of time how Israel would reject uh, uh, Jesus because of their pride. And this didn't catch him by surprise any more than uh, what was happening during Elijah's day. didn't catch him by surprise. Uh, he chose them. And gave them promises anyway. God, God foreknew what was going to happen. And 
There had been many times in Israel's history where it seemed that their rebellion had been so complete that there was no hope of recovery. Remember when we got toward the end of, of Israel's Old Testament history right before they went into the Babylonian captivity and it was just like you, you kind of were shaking your head there toward the end. How, how much more wicked can these people get? How, how much nonsensical the, uh, can they be in uh, not responding to God's hand against their, uh, them? Very, very obvious that God's hand were against them, but they, say, they would say, it's not the Lord. It's not the Lord. And uh, they would continue on, and uh, the Lord did see that they went into captivity. <clears throat> but uh, there, was, there is hope. We know that they did after the 70 years of captivity, they were brought back into the land by the Lord. A remnant was brought back. And uh, so, uh, listen, you know, there have been many times in Israel's history when it seemed that their rebellion had been so complete that you just say, well, just didn't look, there's any hope. There's always hope with God. Always hope with God. One of these times was during the ministry of the prophet Elijah, Elijah was convinced here that we just read that uh, that Israel's rebellion was beyond recovery, and he complained uh, uh, to the Lord. And he basically thought he was the only one serving the Lord at that time, and um, that 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 wasn't the case. It certainly seemed to Elijah that God's plan for Israel had failed. It certainly seemed that there were no faithful people for God to work through. In verse four, we find God's answer to. Elijah, you know, I got, I, he, basically, I got 7,000 people that you don't even know about. 7,000 men that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Uh, not everybody is uh, turned away. So, in other words, God had a remnant, a small number of faithful Israelites to work through and to fulfill his promises through, even in the worst of times. According to verse 5, uh, the, the same is true today. Uh, so, so God has not completely rejected the nation of Israel. Look at verse number 5. Even so then, at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more a, a grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Um, there may not be many Jewish believers, listen, but there are some. There is a remnant. And if this is true, and it is, it cannot be said that God has failed his promises and completely rejected his people. Why were these few Jewish people saved and used by God? Was it because they worked harder than the other Jews? No. Was it because they kept the law better? Was it because they were better Jews? Not necessarily. The answer is absolute no. Look, look at what Paul says there in verse number 6. Uh, you know, it was by the grace. They, they, uh, by grace through faith. Amen. They, they got the way that they got by grace through faith. Just the same way that the Apostle Paul did. The difference is that this remnant of Jewish people accepted God's offer of salvation by grace through faith instead of trying to cling to the law and work through the law. And they finally realized that the law ain't getting it and we need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ, and they did. 
Now let's read verses 7 through 10 here. Look at verse 7. It says, uh, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. What were they seeking for? Well, if you look back earlier in the chapter, they were seeking righteousness. They were seeking it by the law, right? But they couldn't get it by the law. Then they sought it by Christ, and they got, they got the righteousness by Christ. And so uh, Paul says that the Jewish people as a whole are, are, are blinded. Uh, you know, light cannot penetrate the eyes of the one who is blind. Look at, uh, read verse 7 again. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. And they say, according as it is written, God hath given them in, in the spirit of slumber eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David said, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a summing block and recompense unto them. He's uh, quoting here from the Psalm 69 verse 22. And let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down uh, they're back all way. Uh, the Jewish people as a whole are not only blinded, but they're hardened. Um, th- this means that they're resistant to the reception of spiritual truth. Can God penetrate that? He certainly can. God's more powerful than that, isn't He? Uh, God, God can do uh, amazing things and praise God for that. They were. They may have been resistant to the reception of spiritual truth in the same way that hard ground is resistant to the planting of seeds. How do you get by that? Well, you got to, you got to uh, cut up the soil, don't you? You know, uh, you can't get anything to grow because you can't penetrate the hard soil, or in this case, a hard heart. But you just keep on, you keep on uh, plowing. Amen. You keep on plowing, and eventually, it'll, it'll uh, especially when some water comes, some tears maybe, uh, they, you, they they can have that uh, ground plowed, and the seed may take hold. Now, in verse eight, there, Paul makes clear that this spiritual resistance and blindness is the result is the result of God's just punishment. They rejected Jesus. So, what was the effect? Well, God caused them to their eyes to be darkened. In verses 9 and 10, Paul even quotes King David on this. In, in other words, this spiritual blindness or hardness is just a just punishment for rejecting the gospel when they could have understood and believed. Now, there are many, many issues uh, involved in verses 1 through 10, but the main point that Paul is making here in these first 10 verses is that God has not completely rejected the nation of Israel. Okay? Not completely. There remains a small remnant of faithful Jewish believers for now. But one day, listen, one day the majority of Jewish people will believe and be restored to be used by God as He promised. Right now there's a believing minority and a blinded majority. But... That is not the way it's going to always be, and that leads us to Paul's second point. And Paul's second point is this. God has not permanently rejected the nation 
of Israel. Verse number 11. He says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall. I, I love this verse. Through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. We got in on the action. Okay? Because they rejected the Lord. Uh, the Lord turned to us. And through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Look at verse 12. Now at the fall of them, notice this, at the fall of them be the riches of the world. Now think about that. The fall of them brought the riches of God's grace to the rest of the world. That's, what, that's the riches I'm seeing there. Amen. And the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles... <laughs> the diminishing of the Jews to the riches of the Gentiles. We, we were enriched by receiving the gospel because of them being diminished. So how much more their fullness? In other words, what, what's going to happen when this thing turns around? <laughs> he said, for, look at verse 13. For I speak to you, Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles... I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Paul was even kind of using that as a, a uh, uh, I guess, cattle prod, you might want to say. <laughs> so look, look hey, uh, you, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because you... Our nation is rejected. God's dealing with the Gentiles, and they're getting saved. They're going to heaven. You want to get on the action, you need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ too. That's what I get out of verse 14. He used it to provoke them that some of them might get saved. Verse 15, For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? So, uh, is God through with Israel? Well, is it, is it too late for God to use them as He promised? No, it's not, not too late. Paul's answer is, uh, is God forbid again. And, and, and verses, we're not, we're not going to deal with these verses tonight. Next week we'll uh, be down in verses 25 through 29. But Paul will expound on this topic. But for now, he wants us to understand that God is not through with the Jew. And they may be on the sidelines for now, but they will be placed back in the starting lineup uh, of the game, so to speak, when the Lord returns uh, in the rapture. And uh, this is important because many people are being taught that God is through with Israel as a distinct people. And they falsely teach that the church has replaced Israel permanently. And this false teaching is known as replacement Theology, and I, I tell you all this because you need to you need to oppose replacement theology. Don't believe it. The basic thinking is that all of God's promises were forfeited because of Israel's rejection of Jesus and are now transferred to the church. You will not find that in the Scripture. In fact, this this chapter actually stands uh, stands out to show that that is wrong. That, that, that God is not, not done with Israel. This, this understanding, uh, people thinking that God is done with Israel and 
Uh, now, it, though all the passages talking about Israel uh, now deal with the church, uh, this understanding leads people to spiritualizing many parts of the Bible uh, that were for Israel and trying to apply them to the church today. And it also leads to anti-Semitism, which is totally contrary to the attitude that Paul wrote about and uh, we'll see next week in verses 13 through 24 that Gentile believers should have the attitude that we should have toward the Jews. Now God has not permanently rejected the nation of Israel. And Paul points out how God used Israel's rebellion for a good purpose, an excellent purpose. Amen? That's for us, the Gentiles. First, through their fall, salvation is come to the Gentiles. That's what he said. God used the Jews' rejection of him as a springboard for sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. And it's a wonderful, uh, you know, the way that God can take something bad and use it for the good. I mean, we've been seeing that on Wednesday night. You know, Samson's not been doing things real great, you know, but God's using him anyway. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, we can, we can mess up sometimes, but God can still use us through all of that. And God used the Jews, even though they uh, basically um, messed up, uh, in, in football, I've seen an off- offensive team fumble the ball for what looked like a significant loss, only to have another offensive player pick up the fumble and run for a touchdown. You know, And what looked like a tragedy turned into a blessing. Well, uh, it's, it's wonderful here. Uh, Israel fumbled. <laughs> they fumbled Jesus, and, and the Gentiles uh, picked up the ball of Jesus and uh, God used uh, us to pick it up and run for a touchdown. I mean, uh, the, the, this is a wonderful thing that God did with Israel's sin. Uh, now, if God can do something so great and wonderful with Israel's rejection of Jesus, imagine what he can do with her recept, acceptance of Jesus. And that's the point of verse number 12. Uh, when he says there, Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? And when that thing turns around, how much greater is that going to be? Um, uh, rather than be against the Jewish people, we should be praying for them and seeking their salvation, especially considering the positive results that this will have uh, in the end times of things. So Paul continues this line of reasoning through verse number 15 where he notes that Israel's acceptance by God will mean life from the dead. And that's what it does. When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, man, it brings life, doesn't it? It brings life. Uh, resurrection life. And uh, I hope you're beginning to understand God's plan for Israel and the implications that this has for us. But the main Things we need to understand for tonight are God has not completely rejected or permanently rejected the nation of Israel. Amen. So let's, uh, let's not be with uh, those that use replacement theology to develop an attitude toward the Jews, but rather let's love God's people. I mean, they're still God's chosen nation. And let's pray for them. And let's... Uh, 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 be thankful that God chose to bring the gospel to us. Amen. 
that, that we got a shot at it because the Jews uh, fumbled and we got a shot at it. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for 